Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Monday. There's snow on the ground in Buffalo. And boy, no, don't snow. say that. There is. What, what am I going to lie to myself? My... You know, you might believe myself or my lying eyes. No, I mean, we're cold for like one more day and then we're getting like high 60s the rest well, that, of the week. I was going to say that, that, that we're, we're supposed to get 60 on Thursday, so okay. it'll be melted it's, away. It's not just that it's cold. It's like 40 mile an hour winds that are just ripping right through if you stand outside. Yeah. All right, Russ, start us off with the pre-show. So interesting thing that happened with the Ravens-Steelers game. Apparently, a player who was listed – Three or four days ago, as ill, turns out he has COVID. Now, they say, well, here's the latest statement from the Ravens. Let's see what that says. I would never intentionally make contact. Oh, this is from the player. With an, oh, no, this is just about the officials. This has nothing to do with it. So there, there's a player who right. played in the game against the Steelers who has COVID, Mar- Marlon Humphrey, and – this now, oh, so wait, maybe this statement does count for him saying making contact. He must have made he, he must have made contact with someone too, and he has COVID. And so he played in a game, most likely knowing that he had COVID because he was on the injury report but listed with an illness. Well, this is Justin Turner all over again, isn't it? In a way. Because, yeah. because there's there's still there is still uh, and the focus is off of them now because they've won and everybody's gone their separate ways. But there's still conflicting information about when they received the positive. The room, the, the, the speculation is they received the notification of the positive on Turner in the second inning, and he didn't. He played wait, wait, over five I innings. It, I thought it was they received the indication of the in, the test that was uncertain as to in the second inning. Then they had them retest the new sample that got there. During the second inning, there was a sample of the second second the sample from that current the current day made it to the testing facility, and they had them expedite the testing of that sample to see whether or not he tested. Okay, but here's how it worked. Somebody just explained how it worked for the NFL. Tom Pelissero. So the NFL and NFLPA agreed to game day PCR testing for COVID nineteen starting in week six. <laughs> week six. Everyone tests Sunday morning, but don't get results until late Sunday, early Monday. And Humphrey and Packers running back A.J. Dillon played Sunday yes. only to learn that they're positive. So, again, you are now risking an entire league over a failed testing policy, which took until week six to even implement. Again, I don't understand these leagues when – they just – I don't know if they're not taking it seriously enough. I don't know if they're not smart enough. It's just bad. It's a bad well, look. Yeah, It's got – okay. It ha- I don't understand. Maybe logistically it's impossible to do this. But you have to have a negative test on game day before you can play. Right. So and how hard is that? Right. When, is that when is that test given, though? 
Well, that, I'm assuming that, that depends on the turnaround here. If the turnaround is 48 hours, then the Friday test is the last test. But right. they can contract it on Saturday or on game day by just You being... likely wouldn't show up with a positive test if you contract sure. it on Saturday or game day. Sure. And and that see, I mean, the turnaround, again, going back to Turner, the turnaround here is five innings. Okay, if say, say the, the first test was inconclusive, you could make the case that he should have been taken out of the game when it's inconclusive, but they didn't want to because it was a, it was a series potential series deciding game. They only found out that it was positive after they processed the retest. It took them five innings or a couple hours to do that, and then they pulled them. I mean, yeah, Eric Ebron from the Steelers basically put out a tweet this morning showing a picture uh, of him getting tackled by the guy by Humphrey. And saying this isn't six feet, and so if there's an outbreak now, it will be over stupidity because we have the technology, and they're still misusing it based on timing. Well, here, here's here's the the ridiculous thing: um, the 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 Bills had a minor COVID outbreak uh, amongst one group of players, their tight ends, uh, Dawson Knox, their starter, and two of the backups. They were all in the same room doing pregame uh, video work. They all are on now on the COVID list. The only guy who wasn't there was Tyler Croft, their one of their starters, who was at the hospital with his wife who was having a baby. He was there, so he was separate from the other guys, and he's the one who's played the last two weeks, only by happenstance. Otherwise, they would basically have offensive linemen playing tight end the last couple weeks. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is the thing. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess these teams are doing the best that they can do. Are they? I, I kind of I don't know. That. I don't know. I mean, if I owned a team, I would say the same thing you did. I would basically say, look, if this league testing isn't great, you know what we're doing? We're going to do rapid tests and we're going to go with those results. And then we'll let the league do their own testing. But clearly the timing on this is bad. And every team can afford to do it. These guys are all billionaires. So, you know, the fact that they're not is just mind-boggling. All right, one thing. I, I, today is the first day of free agency for baseball, right? Or Started is- yesterday at 5 p.m. Okay, and there haven't been any signings yet? Uh, not as far as I'm aware of as of 1, 12 p.m. Eastern time, but. Not yet. They so haven't, had, again, I don't think, I mean, technically they didn't have the negotiating period, but look, we all know that teams are finding out and, and players are finding out behind the scenes the level of interest and in everything. It's. This is going to be interesting to see, honestly, what kind of dollars are going to be available for players. I mean, and also the problem is, don't get a couple of players may still accept their qualifying offers. The six right. players that are qualifying. I, I can only I only see one possibly accepting it. The guy from the Giants. Kevin Gaussman. Yeah, I don't see anybody else accepting well, it. I don't think Real Muto is accepting. I don't think LeMahieu is accepting. No. Stroman is an outside possibility. Doubtful. But, but I think he'll get more, obviously, more in free agency. Um, so yeah, I, I don't Springer also. I don't see anybody accepting it. No. Okay, so give me your wish list. One player for your, I know both of you are Mets, so for your particular team, is it the same guy for both of you? I don't know. I'll go first. It's Rio Muto. Uh, it's not Springer. Springer's a 31-year-old outfielder, center fielder. We don't need a guy who could play center field for maybe two more years, start to lose his legs, and be on a five-year deal and have to worry about that. They need to actually do things right here. Even if Riamulto only goes four years out of the five or six that they give him on a deal, that's fine. He's a catcher. Catchers always have a short shelf life. So get the best catcher you can right now. 
for the better pitching staff that you have right now. And that to me is the biggest adjustment they can make. They could do other things, but that's the big one I want. So I would love Real Muto. I just don't know if he's actually going to sign there. I think they may end up with Springer. I don't have a problem with Springer. Russ and I disagree there. If I ended up with Springer and McCann and another piece, I'd be I'd be okay with that. They do need arms, um, which is why they're going to try to bring Stroman back because Syndergaard's not back until May, maybe June. Steven Matz has fallen off a cliff. Um, and right now you basically have DeGrom and Peterson, and that's it. So. I, I will say this. Um, I think it was Nightingale reported, and I know he's got some faulty reporting. People could – they're always going to bitch about him. But uh, I think it was him that that spoke to a source with Ria Multo that basically said, yeah, I want to go back to the Phillies, but if we're going to set a record for paying a catcher in New York, then I'll play in New York. And that's what I expect the Mets right. will do. He said the word heroes, not hoagies. So that's kind of the, the term he used. So, And I, I'm going to take it for granted, and I hope I'm right, that the, the Yankees are going to re-sign LeMahieu. So, uh, I, and I don't think that they're, they're going to be on Trev, in on Trevor Bauer because he's going to cost $30 million a year. Yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go with the strategic signing of Alderton Simmons. They need a really good defensive shortstop so they can okay. Glaber Torres, the second base, and I think they'll fill in with the guys in the rotation. But if they could get, you know, Simmons is basically a. So they won't try and outbid the Phillies for Didi to get him back. No, no, they can. I think Didi may end up with back with the Reds. Mm, I think the Phillies are going to end up. with I think him the right. Phillies are going to re-sign him. So I do. Okay. They really liked him. Okay. Uh, hello, hockey world. Today is Monday, November second, twenty twenty. I'm Jan Levine. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Eck will be joining us any moment. Uh, we will start with uh, something that Eck wrote about uh, and something we talked about on our Off the Post podcast yesterday with uh, Jeff Merrick, which uh, I would suggest everybody take a listen to it. It was a really good half hour of uh, podcast excellence. Um, about the Ontario Hockey League, um, Russ, Lisa McLeod, who I guess is the director of health for the province of Ontario, mm -hmm. came out and said there will be no checking in the Ontario Hockey League. And then basically her boss, the premier of Ontario, said not so fast. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it started a, a storm. And as we know, uh, there's another word that can go in front of that in that entire country. Uh, look. Yeah. I am not a guy that thinks you have to have that in the game for it to be a good game. I just want to come out and say that. I think it happens organically anyhow, so I don't think you can really stop it. Right. But I don't think it does anything to decrease your chances of getting the virus. I actually think if you're socially distant on the bench, that that is a better maneuver than actually worrying about if somebody is checking. Now, if you want to say fighting because they're taking off their helmets, I'm with you. You do that, you take the helmet off, you get suspended for 10 games. That's fine by me, but you know, otherwise I don't understand this at all. And um, as, as Russ said, it's organic, right? Uh, to, so what, how are you going to basically put it into action? Somebody hits somebody, somebody bumps into somebody on the ice. Is that considered a, a body check? I mean, it, look, I understand the rationale for it, right? But as others pointed out on Twitter, there's lots of other areas of commingling that you are probably just as worrisome or even more worrisome than necessarily body checks, right? You're on the bench, yeah. you're sharing a locker room, you know, there's a lot of other areas and, and potential um, components that, that fall into it in terms of where you could have a risk. A body check is clearly one of them, but unless you're going to eradicate everything else or just don't basically say, just don't play at all. 
right. is really what you're getting to because you, there is going to be incidental content irrespective of how you enact in terms of getting rid of body checking in the game. Yeah, there's no and doubt. What, and what Jeff said was that this was sort of a tactic to get the OHL to delay their start to February because apparently their intention was to start in December. Um, and I mean, with the queue started at the normal time, the dub is going to be, I think, I think they're going in January or February as well. And I think that has more to do with the border than it has to do with anything else. Yeah. But honestly, I have a feeling that Lisa McLeod is one of these anti-fighting people. And honestly, it's like, I'm sorry, you cannot change the aspects of the game. It's not flag hockey. It's hockey. The other, the other thing though, is like somebody saying, what about face-offs? Honestly, that is short-term exposure. You're talking about three seconds at best. And and I'm sure these guys will do even better to try and get the face-offs done quicker. So I, I'm not worried about face-offs. Well, well, what about if you're digging for pucks in the corner, right? You're not necessarily body checking, right? To me, that's more likelihood of contact because yeah, sure. you're both fighting for a puck. You're not you – man, again, that's close contact. And likelihood is you're going to have at times more than two skaters – Mm -hmm. Scrum in the corner. Are we are you going to eradicate that in terms of the ability to potentially? No, you can't. You just can't. But again, it is short term. Still, you know, they always say your chances are worse when you're indoors, but it's long term and you're around people long term. At least all of that is short term. Even for a period, it is short term. It's you know, and will they do something to fix the air in the place as far as ventilation or spray something around the ice? They might. And if they do that. That's probably as good as anything you could do for indoor. Again, this is why you you're not really this is why you really shouldn't have big indoor events because you're all breathing the same air. Now, of, of course, some businesses will try and install these other things to try and you know get you in there. Sorry, you couldn't pay me. I I would not be in some of these places. Now, would I go to a hockey arena? Yeah, because it's going to be socially distant. So I think. Then I, I would, as a reporter, I would go in, and I think fans will eventually make that decision. But uh, if it became a situation where, you know, you could have a full crowd or something like that, there's a lot of people that won't want to do it. Well, are they talking about having any fans in the arenas? For no, 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 no fans right now. But they will eventually. These teams. Well, these eventually teams, is when though. That's what. That's I know, but these, that's why they're starting. That's why they're starting in February because these OHL teams can't survive another season without fans they're not all financially stable uh, i i agree right so uh, look you as mike said right there's clearly look we could understand to an extent the rationale the problem is is when you consider the other aspects of the game that that in, that entail close contact and probably longer contact than just a body check you're kind of miss you're you're, you're kind of missing the main you're pissing the forest through the trees here yeah yeah all right, let's talk about some signings that happened uh, over the weekend. Um, Victor Olison signed a two-year contract. Uh, you know, he was an RFA, uh, two-year contract, a little over $3 million for the uh, the Sabres. And, Russ, um, you know, right now with the Sabres getting most of their offseason business done, they're way closer to the cap than anybody expected them to. And again, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop and then move to move out somebody, probably one of their defensemen. But, you know, there, there's not a lot of room around the league, so I don't know if they'll be able to do that. Right. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Olofsson is this contract will actually be bad if he is only a, a uh, power play guy. 
If he is only getting his points on the power play in that second year of the deal, it's going to be an albatross. If he's well, getting five on five points, then it's worth it. You know, it's funny. It's like you can no longer say, well, it's only three million. It's only for two years. It's low risk. Not in the flat cap world, man. Every dollar counts. It really does. Yeah, remember in that second year, as of right now, Hall is gone. Stall is gone, right? So even if this year, if a lot of his points come on the power play, if right. there's a turnover of the roster, he's going to be utilized in other situations. Oh, sure, but then they'll stick right. So part of it is, look, we don't know what they're going to do in terms of when it comes to Hall and Stall. Right. We got the rhyming scheme working here very well. Yeah. Um, but 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 again, look, I actually thought Olison probably could have gotten a little more. I actually think he got a little less than I really thought he was going. To. I thought he'd be in the three and a half mil range, three in that range, three point seven five, given the year that he had, especially. Sl slowed a little bit because of the injury that he had. So, look, I, I think it's a solid contract for both teams. I think Buffalo got him at a nice deal. Olison, we don't know what kind of year he's going to have this year based upon his utilization. If his numbers drop a little bit because of the fact of his utilization, well, next year could be a bigger year for him. So he, he may make out on the back end and, and build up his his resume, for lack of a better term, for two years down the road when, we, when he's in RFA again. Well, Hall and Stahl and Reinhardt as well because right. he's in RFA right. after right. – but right. the, they have rights as opposed to but if they lose all three of them, they're going to stink again. That was but what, they're, what they're talking about. Russ is is moving Olsen from the left wing over to right wing to play with Hall and okay. Winkle. So you know they're I, they're projecting him probably to get a lot of five on five points. We'll see. Well, he's got to. I mean, this year he he, he literally has to. Yeah. Um, Couple signings by the Leafs. One not surprising, extending Joey Anderson for three years at seven hundred and fifty thousand per. First year, two years are two way. Third year is one way. Uh, Russ, the good thing about this is long term security for a player who I think is an NHLer. Uh, he's waiver exempt this year, so he could be the guy that goes up and down mm -hmm. without fear of waivers and. You know, this is a good amount for a guy who I think could be, in the end, could be as much as a third liner. Yeah, I just hope he gets to play and doesn't become that yo-yo guy and that guy that, well, you know, the Leafs are paying him, but he doesn't play. I really do hope he gets to play at the NHL level. If he doesn't, then I'm going to say this is another one of those contracts where the Leafs just basically keep a player like Frankie Corrado and never play him. And then the the only thing that they say in you know return is well we paid you and it's like yeah that's great but this guy needs to play. Yeah. Hi guys. Hey. I, guys. I apologize for the delay. We're just going through some signings here. Right? Good, 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 good. Had a big story today, and uh, and then I really have fun fun topic to talk about. So once we get once you get through the signings, I appreciate it. Okay. okay. We only have one more, so. Cool. Yeah, cool. The other the other one. The other one, just uh, briefly, was the was the Michael Hutchinson signing. Um, Actually, two which, more. Sorry. Yeah, more. which Russ, that was purely a qualifier for the expansion draft. These, yeah. like like you said about like a, a team like the Rangers signing a JF Berube or somebody yeah. like that. That's what Hutchinson may not play at all. He might be a guy who just sits on the bench in, in with the Marlies. Uh, but but he's gonna he'll be the goaltender that qualifies as the goalie under contract for an expansion draft. Yeah, I mean, it's the Rangers. The same thing with Kincaid, basically, right? Signing, yeah. they can expose him. So Hutchinson, yeah. same thing. 
Yep. Um, the Dominic Cahoon signing was a good one for Edmonton, Jan. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot, actually. Yeah, I mean, 975. Now, the, the weird thing is, is that when Cahoon was not qualified by the Sabers, the chatter here was, oh, they they're gonna they're gonna sign him. They just didn't want to qualify him for whatever he was making, and then nothing ever happened. They wasted assets. They did. Yeah, I mean, they they basically gave they gave up. Uh, Evan Rodriguez as a rental and Connor Sheary as a rental for Cahoon and then didn't re-sign him. So they gave away two rentals for nothing. Yeah. And he also could have played a fairly prominent role on the bottom six for Buffalo. I mean, that's an area still of need for that team. And he would have been a perfect guy to fill the role, which is what they acquired him for originally. And last one. um, Well, actually I want to mention with Cahoon, Mike. um, So the opposite of Olsen, all of his scoring comes five on five and he actually is like a, I, I believe, like a top 20 five-on-five scorer in the league based on his five-on-five points. So if he's not, he will be. But he he's an analytics darling in that regard. And yeah, I yes. think they, they got a deal here because, again, we talked about Olofsson saying, hey, he's a power play guy. Well, this guy's the opposite. You know, these days, I, I would rather sign the Cahoons to their deals than the Olofsons to their deals. That's just me. Right. And the last one is uh, Julius Honka coming back from the SM Liga right. to Dallas on a one-year deal. I believe it's a two-way deal, Russ. But, I mean, you know, he was I, – I don't know if uh, the, the success that the Stars had the last year was a impetus for him to come back. But, yeah, he took a, one, he took a one-year two-way deal to come back to the NHL. Yeah, he, it's an interesting fall for him because, you know, he was highly touted – Really good skater, really good offensive ability, but he had trouble playing defense. Uh, I think it was under Hitchcock that he never really yeah, got much playing time. He got buried, and and then he had that issue with the team where he he, he wanted to hold out, right? I think that's what it yeah, was. That's what it was. Yep, he was holding out, and so bad yeah. combination there. Bad combination. Not good it with is. Hitchcock holding out. He came crawling back now. Uh, he does have ability. If his defense is better, he will eventually get NHL time. So this is, from the Stars' perspective, it's good. From his perspective, he had to. He had to. He had no choice in this one. Um, I wanted to put a little bit on the rumor front, too, before I get into my topic here. Um, we are seeing that we were definitely in this stagnating mode, right? And that stagnating mode is definitely, I think, is, is partially tied to um, – the election, believe it or not, because the, the of the and the funny thing, and that's an odd thing to say, but there's a lot of differing opinions on where the economy is going. You know, that doesn't mean. I, I just talked to two owners yesterday who both said, you know, they wanted to wait till after the election to see what they were going to do. And but the main thing on main thing I think that is, that it's tied to more than anything else, of course, is just the NHL plan. Is the border? And, is the plan and the board and the border? But the plan is yeah, and the plan's tied to the border, of course. So everything is tied to each other. But yeah, the plan the plan is what. Teams need to know to make these final signings because these guys are these guys are out there. They're willing to wait for that because they know that things get better. They've got time, you know. They they, they all feel like the, they can the deals that are there for them now, like for Hoffman, some of the one year deals that are there now for him, will be there for him in a month or two months from now. If things improve drastically, the deals could get better. So, I I think you're you know these are some players. Some of these players too are not wanting one year deals but wanting longer deals, which is another issue, which I think te- teams are not going to give anybody more than a one-year deal right now for sure. So that's a problem too, right? So, well, I mean, I'll be, I'll be talking to some people today, writing some more rumors about them and updating the rumor chart later this afternoon as well, um, because I did talk to a lot on the weekend. So we'll look forward to that. But 
I thought I would do something fun because we had a couple of days here where we are in the stagnating mode. And then watching, of course, with the, with the presidential election going on, which is not, you know, something we're going to talk about. But but you do see or hear a lot of this, like, you know, they were showing some highlights of old debates the other day. And they had Ronald Reagan's famous debate and famous line, which, you know, he's heard many times, which you've heard many times now, is, are you better off than you were four years ago? Right. And hearing this concept, I thought to myself, well, you know, that's something that's interesting that we don't often talk about with NHL teams. You know, are they better off than they were four years ago? Um, you know, we, we always say, okay, we look back a year, you look, we look in their direction, they're heading, rebuilding and stuff like that. But four years is a long time, you know, and it's a, it's a, in NHL, you know, GMs often don't get four years to turn teams around, you know, it's not something that happens very often. So um, I thought it would be interesting to go through some of these, some of the, some of the teams and ask that question. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Um, and it's fascinating, I think. So we started with the Atlantic um, okay. and let's, so, and we're doing this alphabetically. But the Boston Bruins, and what I think will be fun is I'll tell you where they were four years ago, and then you can tell me if you think they're better off, because it is interesting to look. You won't remember really where they were four years ago. That's At least I didn't exactly remember where they were. Um, but heading into the 2016-17 season is what we're looking at. you know. And uh, the Bruins heading into that season, they were a hot mess. <laughs> they were like, the Bruins uh, in 15-16, they finished fourth in the Atlantic, out of the playoffs, um, they had not made the playoffs, and the Bruins also suffered an embarrassing loss that year. That 15-16 year was when they lost to the Canadians in the Winter Classic at home. Yeah. Um, they were a mess. Um, and the offseason, their biggest signing was – anybody can guess guess who their big signing was going into – David Backus. David Backus, right. Oh, yeah, I hated that. That was their big, their big signing, right? Um, obviously, it didn't work out the greatest for them. Um, the greatest didn't work out at all. <laughs> The 16-17 season would um, would then end the Claude Julian era. Um, that's when, you know, who was the longest longest tenured coach in the NHL at that point, um, lost his job in February for the Bruins in the 16-17 season. Um, but they did manage to sneak back into the playoffs under Cassidy, um, only to lose to who in the first round? Think about this. I won't tell you because it's another team in this division we'll get to later. But are the Bruins better off now than they were four years ago? I think they're. I think they're the same. Yeah. Okay. The, the the different the difference is is that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, Chara, they're all Rask. They're all three, four years older. Right. So yep. at that point, they were in their mid to late twenties. Now they're in their early thirties, and you know I think that people are coming to the realization that the be, the, the best it's like like the Patriots. The best is in the past. In yeah, the like I, I could see them sneaking into the playoffs and getting an, an early uh, exit as well. So yeah, I mean, if they re-sign Chara, right, which right. could happen, and <laughs> Rask plays as he did last year, they have enough surrounding talent around that team to make a right. When they enter the playoffs, when the season ended, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Chara comes back. Let's say Rask was playing great last year. You have Halak as a good backup. Right. right. Granted, everybody's a year older. Marshawn mm -hmm. still at what he is. We know what Coyle is. What Krejci had a rebound year last year compared to the year before. I, I would think if you're projecting longer term, there are issues because we don't know what's coming up in the pipeline right. to replace some of the older guys. But in a, for a one-year, I don't know, yeah. hit to try to try to make a run. This team clearly has all the components to make a run. Yeah, right. But pa Pastor doesn't help. That pa to me, 
that's a big piece that's missing. Pasternak yeah. and Marchand are both out probably to start the season, depending right. on when the season starts. Rask is in the last year of his contract. Char is 43. I mean, there's a lot of – Yeah, lot. I just think this team's going to be askew a lot of the year. I don't think – Well, then, then you're basically saying if you don't think they're better off than they were going into 16-17, you're basically saying that they're like a borderline playoff team. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying they're a playoff team that could get better. They, 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 just, they just snuck in as a wow. I game. know, but it doesn't matter. They made it. I'm saying yeah. this team will make it, and I could see them getting bounced early. I don't even right. think is coming back at this point. And just the way that I see this team last year is like two years ago. Yeah. Because okay. these guys have aged way more than what that record was. And, and this is a team that won the President's Trophy last year. But I, I think all the things that have happened to them since – um, have really affected them, and that I think they're they're starting. Yeah, you know, I'm not burying them because I have too much respect for the Bruins, but they're on in decline. Yeah. All right. Now moving on to the Buffalo Sabers. All right, the Sabers of uh, Sabers heading into 16-17. Um, we're coming off a year where they finished second to last in the Atlantic Division. Um, they 81 points. Um, their failure to do really bad though. <laughs> Uh, lost out on Matthew. They lost out on Austin Matthews um, the year before, trying their artist and and not getting. Austin. They lost. They lost out on McDavid. They lost. Uh, out McDavid. They lost out on this. No, this was this was the year that they lost out on Matthews and going into sixteen seventeen. Right. They ended up with the eighth overall pick, so they, they really had, yeah. they, they had a very limited opportunity to get Matthew. Oh, what, but the, the, this they're coming off a two thirty one thirty one place thirty first place finishes. Right, the year before that, thirty first place. Yeah, this this year though, fifteen sixteen, they finished ahead. They did they did finish second to last in the Atlantic, um, ahead obviously with Toronto behind them. Yes. Um, and um, and but they, this was this you know fifteen sixteen had been their first year with Jack Eichel. Yep. Um, they also lost out if you remember on, on to Toronto on Mike Babcock in fifteen going in fifteen sixteen. Yes. Is um, that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Um, their big news going into sixteen seventeen was the hiring of assistant coach Tom Ward. And the renaming of the arena to the Key Bank Arena. <laughs> I was trying to find yeah. think what they were promoting going into going into sixteen seventeen. Like this is what's happening this year. We're gonna name and, it. The and their big free agent signing, Kyle Oposo. Kyle Oposo, right? right. Well, that worked out well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but so, um, to be to be fair on that one, I think you know him with his illness really was more of the reason than long term well, than anything else. That's true. That's true, yeah. and that that we, we really shouldn't beat. I mean that, but that was. So are they better heading into this year than they were that year? Well, no. they were they were arguably the worst or second worst team in the league. So I think they're about the fourth or fifth worst team in the league right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, sorry, so slightly better. Slightly better, and but you know potential with Hall and Stall and uh, yeah, I think a lot better. I think there's a lot more. I think they're a lot better yeah, off hanging. They're going to be better scoring act. They could still be horribly defensively, and they could still be bad in net. We have to yeah, have like to, comparing it to where they were going into that year. We have to base it on. I'm not saying the, they're a Stanley Cup contender. No, we, heck, we have to base it on the last concrete thing that we've seen from these teams, and right. the Sabers, you know, missed the 2014 playoffs. So they're one of the seven worst teams in the league. Now you can right. say they're a little better than they've been being the second worst team in the league, but they're still right. bad. I'll say right. that'd be more exciting to watch whether yeah. it's better is up in the air, but clearly given the offensive talent they've brought in, they'll be much better to watch. But as Russ said, the issues on the back end and in net clearly have not yet, have not yet been remediated, right? We, Ristolainen is a good offensive player, and but defensively struggles. Uh, Montour is a nice guy. They added Colin Miller. They brought in 
I think they'll be better. But again, we don't know what Allmark and Hutton are going to be like between the pipes. And given what we've seen, recency bias, you know, is the major topic here. They they were horrible last year. Yeah, so they're, they're, they've gotten better. But they're they're not. And then, but I think the, the the key question here is better off. You know, like the, and what is better off? How are you defining I guess, better? I guess off. we can define what better off means, right? Like the better off to me means that they're in a better they're in a better position than they were then. They're they're. You know, like a person would be better off if their finances okay, are better, better or things like that. You know, they're just in a better situation. Slightly better, yes. Slightly better. I mean, they have some good young players coming, right? So they yeah, are but not. Yeah, but they have these old players too. Eric Stahl, you yeah. know, who's yeah, to say he's going to work out? And remember, Eck, it's fool's gold because Stahl and, and, and Taylor Hall are one-year contracts. So they right. can turn around and then be gone. Right. Okay. I mean, uh, we we Taylor Hall would be magic in Arizona, and he wasn't. Then he, he was a little better when they came back from the pandemic, but that's it. That's no, I agree with you. Um, Detroit Red Wings, um, 15 16 was the coach's out uh, because Coach Blaschel's first campaign for the Red Wings, right? So they're right. coming off that season, and that was actually the, then the team's 25th consecutive playoff appearance in 15 16. Yeah, um, they so they, they finished third in the third in the Atlantic with 93 points. Um, but there were issues creeping in on the Red Wings, um, big time. This was the this was the final year of Pavel Datsuk. Um, you know, going so Tazel Daksuk was gone, traded his salary, traded in the summer to Phoenix or wherever. Yeah. Um, their leading scorer for the 15-16 season for that 93-point team was Henrik Zetterberg, who had a total of 50 points in 82 games. Mm -hmm. 50 points. That was their yeah. leading scorer for a third-place team. That I thought that was pretty crazy. But they're significantly better than they are now. Oh they yeah, now it's hard they're to sit there now. You know, when you look at where the Red Wings are going now, <laughs> are they better off now? That team was on a descending platform. Right now, with Eiserman in, the guys they brought in, granted, a lot of guys on one-year deals. We all know we're going to get. Let me say, we expect them all to be traded at the deadline to bring in more draft picks. And given the talent that he's starting to bring, and knowing yeah. what he did in Tampa, they're clearly ascending. But it's going to take a while for them to right. get there. If we ask that question in four years, the answer sure as heck better be, yeah, they're <laughs> in a much better place. Yeah, right? I mean, they come up with one of the worst seasons ever in history of the NHL. So um, again, minus, over minus 100 goal differential. I mean, it's hard to sit there and say, to me, how I wrote it in my, artic in my article, I think, was, you know, are they better off now? Well, you know, they like you said, I said what you said, basically, Jan, that they were a team heading down. And I get and they're now they're a team heading up because they couldn't be heading anywhere else but up. No, but I'm going to um, tell you a quick a right quick now. Quick story, X. So at the draft that was in Carolina, uh, I was sitting next to some St. Louis Blues reporter, and he was talking about how they made the playoffs for their like 20th consecutive year, whatever it was, 25th. And I'm like, well, that's bad. They shouldn't have. And he goes, why? They made the playoffs. I'm like, because they're not any good anymore. They're on the descend, and you're better off starting to draft better and rebuild instead of ignoring the problem. And what we're learning now is – Teams like Detroit, San Jose is now heading that way. Teams yeah. that are that have done that for a long time and put off all this stuff so they could be in the playoffs 10, 15 years in a row, there's a massive price to pay, more than there used to be, I think. No, you're right. Uh, moving on to the Florida Panthers. 2015-16 um, was actually an amazing year for the Florida Panthers. Um, this was this was the they finished first in the Atlantic with 103 points. Um, everything seemed to be going in, going in the right direction. Um, Dale Talon was making all the right moves, and then the Islanders bounced them in the first round. It's the offside. Yep, the the famous the offsides, offside. and uh, Tavares scoring that overtime goal. Oh yeah, I remember that goal. Um, yeah, yeah. Every, you know, they win that game. I think it's a whole different story. 
It's uh, and then and then in the offseason, for some reason that none of us understood, Dale Talon has moved to the background. And um, at that point, because Talon had built this team into something, and and, and they, they went with the analytics crew, right? And um, I mean, yeah. they they were they were led they were led, in, and you know who the hero of the fifteen sixteen season was that gave them that first place? Who their best scorer was? Who their top player was? Their best scorer. Of the 15 16, he had um, 66 points in 79 games. That would be I one Yaramir Yager. Yaramir Yager. Well, here, here's here's the stark difference. Look at the goals against of the of the uh, the Panthers that year with Luongo. He had a 9.22 save percentage. They were a good defensive team, and this year they could have been one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And yeah. so they were better off. In 16 than they were than they are right now. Yeah, you they, know what their attendance was, Eck? Their attendance that year was higher than last year, but not by a lot. It, yeah. it was a 15-384 compared to a 14-105. Even in a year where they had a good team, they still didn't draw. But what's the arena? What's the arena hold? 15, 16,000. Yeah. Now well, the, um, no, the interesting stat from this year was, like you said, the Longo, 235 goals against, uh, 920 save percentage. And then in the playoffs, you know, they lose the Islanders. And you, you would, of course, look to Luongo, right? Luongo's goals against average in the playoffs, 2.05, 930 save percentage. He was better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. And yet they couldn't score goals to win. To, to, yeah, they couldn't score to beat the Islanders in that series. Um, so we all they, they were better off then for sure. I think they're heading in the right direction now, um, for sure. I capacity think, for hockey is is uh, nineteen thousand. Right. So that, yeah, fifteen three eighty four is pretty horrible. It's pretty horrible. Now, we went to the Montreal Canadian. Okay. Um, the fifteen sixteen Montreal Canadian story was really awful. <laughs> they were um, well. They had tons their of favorite, they had your favorite coach. Uh, they, they did. They they did. Um, yep. Michelle Terrien led them. Um, Carey Price only played in 12 games in 1516, um, went 10 and two in those 12 games, but this was the Mike Condon era for the, uh, Montreal Canadiens, the 1516 season. He played in 60 some games. Um, but so, and as strange as that all seems at the end of 1516, when they're like finished, they finished, uh, in sixth place in the division, just, a, just above one point above, above, above Buffalo. Um, they end up in the offseason um, making a pretty big trade um, on June 29th, trading P.K. Subban for Shea Weber. And now they're heading into 16-17 with that. And, and then they make a free agent signing named Alex Radula. And they, they're they heading into 16-17 now with a little bit of hope from that, those, those couple moves. Um, same coach, of course, Michelle Terry. And still, remember Michelle Terry in the year before had taken them to like the stand to like three rounds in the playoffs. Right. Um, for, so this was a team that went three rounds in the playoffs, finished second to last in their division or third to last in their division. And now in 1617 finished in second place in their division. It came back with like an a sto storming grid, really great season again. We're taking, um, if we're taking it from the end of the 1516 season, um, they're significantly better than they were then because now right. they've added Petrie, uh, right. they've added uh Edmondson. One second, guys, gotta get my dogs freaking out. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, they're problem. better, they're better. They're, they're, they're much better they're, now. Offensively, I don't know about that because at that point they had Pacioretty. Um, but you know, I'm not sure how good of a year he had then. Pacioretty had 30 goals, Galchenyuk had 30 goals. Right. Their leading assist guy was Thomas Bacanitz, 
you know, you could say that, you know, potentially they could be better because you've got a lot of young guys like Suzuki, like Kutkin Yemi, but the, the established guys are in question in terms of their offense. Yeah, now, but I think they have more like 20, 25 goal scorers now than 30 goal scorers then. So I think yeah. they're in better shape. They well, I think we all to, think Suzuki could be a 30 goal scorer. Down the yeah, they come to Foley, they, they, you know, they've added the strength on defense and price is healthy. So I think yeah. they're better overall than they were then. There's a no lot one of could have seen that success they would have had in the in that season. Um, the crazy thing about that season, 16-17, was they were in first place in February, and Michelle Terrian was fired, <laughs> um, and Claude Julian was brought in. Right, because Julian was fired in Boston. Right. It was too good of an opportunity to pass. Right. So they, so Terrian was in first place. I mean, Julian kept him in. Julian ended up ended up in second place with them. But um, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you, if you look at going into that season, you had to think that you have to have more hope if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan going into this season than you did in that season, even though that season turned out to be a pretty good one for him. Right. Um, next up, the Ottawa Senators. Um, the Ottawa Senators finished out of the playoffs in 15-16, a fifth in the Atlantic, um, and they made massive changes heading into 16-17. They, um, they, they, this, um, remember, um, Murray, the GM, resigns at the end of the season, 15-16. Um, Dorian's promoted to he general also manager. Was having health issues then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Dorian, he was. He was. Dorian's promoted to general manager. Yeah. Um, Guy Boucher is named coach in the offseason. Okay, Guy Boucher. They go off and they make a trade. They trade a trade that you that uh, the Jim and Russ will probably be very familiar with. They trade um, Miko Zabinajad to the Rangers for Derek Broussard. So let right? me set that one up for a second because. When that trade was made, a lot of Ranger fans were not happy because they felt like Zabinijad didn't have this high ceiling. And I, I remember telling them, listen, what you saw there in Ottawa was not going to be his best. And actually, yeah. he exceeded what I thought his best would be. So good for Zabinijad. But I also knew they weren't really playing him right. And Ranger fans weren't against the trade, but they really didn't feel like they got the player that they got now. They weren't like jumping up and down right away. Well, the hidden thing about this trade, and I noticed it right away when the trade was made, I believe Zabinajad had a year left after this year uh, on his contract, and so did Broussard. Broussard's yeah. contract was front-loaded. Zabinajad's contract was back-loaded. So the cheapskate owner of the Ottawa Senators – decided you know i need to i need to i need to get rid of this guy before i have to pay him this sounds exactly like the clip that we would have oh, don't forget also they waited till after yeah, yeah, July yeah, yeah. for the trade yeah. to be announced because the rangers had to give him right there's part of his signing bonus brassard yeah so mike's being was, very mike's been very consistent here very consistent yeah, it, it, it was a total it was a total money uh money motivated deal and, and and that's the that's the problem. It's like I'm sorry, you know, you you, you had a team you had a team that that uh, got to the conference final, got to within one goal of winning this winning the Stanley Cup or getting to the Stanley Cup final, and maybe a guy like Zabinajad would have been the difference. Yeah. Well, here's the and here yeah here's the thing right because if you, the the um, so that year they finished 16 17 even though it's a similar story to Montreal you know like they had a bad but they go off and they finish they end up having a really great year under Boucher. Yeah. Boucher. Uh, they finished second behind Montreal, 
So remember, that was Montreal, Ottawa at the top of the division. Now, was this the um, Hamburglar or was this Anderson? No, this wasn't Hamburglar. Um, that was before that. Th this, so this is this is this okay. is the team though that goes. Or is it the Hamburglar? No. Yeah, I think it was in sixteen seventeen. It was yes. That's the only reason this happened. That that is a complete fluke. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. Hold on. It's a second. not. No, because no. This is the year that they. This is the year that they go to the um, seventh game against the Penguins. That's not. No, that was Hamburg. that was Anderson and Condon when Anderson. Okay, we still Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, yeah. No, this is they, they, this, well, they win the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, Anderson uh, does go on runs, so that's probably what yeah, happened. They beat, remember they they beat uh, who they beat Boston and, and the Rangers, I think, to get to the Penguins. Yeah, the Rangers ended yeah. up actually blowing that series because of uh, AV had horrific defensive pairing usage repeatedly late in games. They had the fluky Never goal seen that before that went off the back of. Longfist in game one by Carlson. Oh, I remember that goal that went off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this year their top scorers were Carlson and Hoffman. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, this so this leads on to, I mean, they, but they had an epic run. I mean, game seven against the Penguins, everything's so, I mean, but but again, it's like Montreal. You didn't know that when you were going into the 16 17 season. Um, you have to look at the 15 16. So, I mean, I think it's just like Montreal. I think their centers are better off now than they were then. But, the reality is that team ended up being pretty darn good. Um, I mean, if we're taking it for from one the year end, and then they were terrible, if we're taking it from the end of the 15, 16 season, yeah. they're a non-playoff team, they're a non-playoff team. Now they have a lot of good young prospects. I think they're pretty much where they, they're pretty much the same. Okay. Pretty much. What do you think, Jan? Um, Look, looking back then, they probably probably thought they were in a good shape also because they had Carlson on the blue yeah. line and they had offensive talent around there, right? So um, yeah. they've started to show signs of being able to rebound, though, as we've all said. Having Melnick as the owner clearly is a detriment then and now. Um, I'd have to say then we probably did not think they were going to go on a downward spiral as quickly as they did. So I'd probably still give a slight edge to where they were then, though clearly yeah. with the benefit of hindsight, we get to look back and see what transpired and then make calls. Right, right. I agree with that. Um, all right, now moving on to the Tampa Lightning. Um, now Tampa finished in second place in fifteen sixteen behind Florida. Right. So they were coming. You know, um, wait, was that? Yeah. Yes, right. Fifteen sixteen. Fifteen sixteen is Florida. Tampa. Sixteen seventeen is Montreal. Ottawa. All right. So fifteen sixteen. Um, they finished in second place behind Florida. And they lost ninety-seven the points in the Eastern Conference Final. Right. Right. Uh, no, not the Eastern Conference Final. Um, yeah. Yeah, they love, that was the this game seven when Stamkos came back. Wasn't the, no, the Eastern Conference Final was um, in that year. We just said with Pittsburgh and Ottawa. In 15-16, I'm talking. Oh, 15-16, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Two years now. That's right. four years ago. Yeah. Right, right. Now, this this is this is the offseason that Tampa did a lot of business. Like, they signed – this is when they signed extensions for Stamkos, Hedman, Vasilevsky, Kalorin, and Paquette were all signed going into 16-17. Um so this was a really this was a really big deal, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of big signings, and then for sixteen seventeen, this was the first disastrous year for Steven Stamkos, um, who played all, who missed all but seventeen games, right? Um, that first year, uh, they ended and and the Lightning end up missing the playoffs, um, in in sixteen seventeen, um, and then in, and this prompts them to them missing the playoffs might have been a blessing in disguise and might have led them to an eventual Stanley Cup because what trade did they make in the offseason after missing the playoffs in 16-17? Duran for Sargaccia. Yep. Duran, mm. that's when they moved Duran for Sargaccia. Um, remember this is Montreal. This is this is this is first place Montreal. Um, 
which I said, which I said was a was a a raping. And we still like you know, and then we've had less debates about this. Duran is better than you give him credit for. Um, but I, I think that I mean, I, Russ, Russ has Russ has often argued the Duran thing. But this, oh, yeah. this, this is the thing about Duran. Duran is a talented player. He's not a center, and that's what Montreal traded for. Yeah, that, that's the problem with it. I do still yeah. like Duran. I mean, obviously, he's not better than Sagachev now, but there's still some good things about Duran that still could be utilized. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Tampa, better off now or better off going into 16-17? They won the cup. You can't. It's hard to say they're not better they're, off now. They're better despite, now. Despite the uh, fact that they have all these inj- all these situations, the situation they have to fix, they'll figure out. Yeah. Crazy dogs, I'm sorry. Um, which brings us finally to our last team, um, which would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, um, last, they, in al- last in the alphabet, but not last in our hearts, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were the, um, wor- they were the worst team in the league at that point, and now – For two years in a row, they tried to tank. <laughs> well, right? a, year, a year and a half. Okay. They tried they, – they, they, Give me they, one they, second. I keep talking. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. They started tanking in January. They got Marner. They tanked the entire year in 15-16, and they got Austin Matthews. So you have to say that tanking was a good job, was the right thing to do. That's the one thing the Leafs know how to do. And uh, Mob Talk Radio says Toronto still sucks. Uh, no. No, the Leafs were good at tanking. I give them credit for that. Well, and they – hey, Marner and Matthews is pretty good result for, of those Oh, tanks. yeah. The result is good. No, it's hard, hard to argue that. Now, the um, so after oh, – so, um, You don't get to say it's hard to argue that because you were dead set against that. Yeah, I'm still dead set against it. Well, too bad. No, but it's hindsight 2020. I mean, if you win the lottery, yes, it's fine. But the chances of you winning the lottery are not in your favor. So it's our, so you can't. But if if you win the lottery, of course. If I if I if if you if you if I bought a ticket tomorrow that won the lottery, I would say, and I won the lottery with it. I would say that was a good choice to buy that ticket to win the lottery. the end result is not the end result has not justified the means according to Eck. Yeah, right. I just felt like we needed further clarification of that remark. That's all. <laughs> It doesn't, and uh, I mean, and and but at the end of the day, okay, they do end up with Marner, they do end up with Matthews out of those two years, and then the next year they sign Tavares, right? So, three years in a row, they improve their team drastically. Um, now the fifth, the, going on to sixteen seventeen, they do make the playoffs for the first time, lose um, and they're back in the playoffs, and they lose to Boston. No, they do no, not lose no. to Boston. They lost to Washington. They lose to Washington, and my official thought was, wait a second, they always lost to Boston, but I forgot that they lost to Washington the first time they got there. Yeah. No. Um. And uh, and they, they played a respectable they, series against Washington, losing four to two. Then they signed. Um, then they signed Patrick Marlowe, and then they right. lost to Boston. Then they lost to Boston again. Then they lost to Columbus. Right now, the big free agent signing heading into sixteen seventeen after after picking up Matthews was who, Mike? <laughs> free agent signing. It really wasn't that. It, I mean, it was it was ten and a half million dollars they put out on the table. That's more than they spent on. I mean, not for not for one year. I'm drawing a blank. Matt Martin. Matt Uh, Martin. No, it was Matt Martin is 2016-17 big free agent signing. That's how he afforded his house on Long Island. There you go. Um, Yeah, Yeah, four year four year deal, and he was gone after two. Yep, 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 yep. So um, Brad Richards lives in the Hamptons thanks to the Rangers. Matt (laughs) Martin on Long Island thanks to the Leafs. 
Now, some real estate agent out there is the economy out by me. We need a little help. So it's always about the Mandy. You know, I want to meet the real estate agents who did well on these things, you know, because yeah. come on, like there's the guys. Matt, Matt Martin lives on Long Island thanks to Boomer. <laughs> there you go. Um, so are the Leafs better off now than they were heading into 1617? Of course yes. they are. Yeah. I mean, obviously they had Matt Martin then, but they have now they have <laughs> Mitch Marner. And John Tavares and 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 Reb made some really nice offsides. And Wayne offsides. Simmons and Joe Thornton and. But they may have hit a, a brick a brick wall here. Like we'll find out if this year they don't go far, they're going to have to rethink their entire strategy. I do agree with that. I mean, this the kind of moves you make this year, you made this year um, when you bring in Simmons and you bring in Thornton and you and you go you're going that way. You are ending you are ending a cycle if yeah. it doesn't work out. And well, I think it's the Dubis cycle. I think. This is his last go round. I don't think he's going to get another chance if they have a first round exit. If they get to the second or third, I think he's safe. Yeah, and yeah. if you look at if you look at the roster for next year, they have nine unrestricted free agents. Wow! So well, and, and the big one between the pipes, where the key decision is going to have to be, including made. Freddie Anderson and and Zach Hyman, two of their key two of the keys. Wow! Um, and what 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 that tells you is, Russ, if they don't succeed, then next year is the year that they trade. William Nylander because they need the money to go and, and improve. We're assuming there's a market for William Nylander. I mean, again, it's, he scored 30 goals last year. For 30 empty goals. He doesn't They're do not 30. Empty goals. They it's not a ride. If they weren't, you wouldn't be so keen on trading them. And if no. he wasn't, well, if he wasn't making six plus million, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be so right. keen on trading no, him. Right. Dollars are going to be the hard part to move. It's do it's Dubas who still believes in him. And, you know, I think there are other teams that, Respect his ability to score. Freddie Anderson, he's but, got to prove it in the playoffs. Sure. But, but also not at six point five million dollars, which is a big. Which is a big and and Mark, Mark in the chat, you're wrong. They will they will never trade Mitch Marner because they won't get as much back for him because his contract is so big. Nealander is seven million dollars, which is not not abhorrent, and he scored more goals. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree with the Marner part. Now, the one interesting thing to do about that going into that season, I mean, we know they we know they get Matthews. Hey, <laughs> we know they get Matthews in that with that first pick, yep. um, overall, and the rest of that draft is pretty much awful. I mean, I was looking at this like they have two second round picks, and they have two third round picks. Can we name any of those players that they picked in those? Igor Korshkov. Yeah, Korshkov. Okay, Igor Korshkov. I, I talked about this the other day. And Carl Grundstrom, who they traded to L.A. to get Jake Muzzin, and he did play in the NHL. So. And he, and All right, so given that, they, okay, they got Jake Muzzin out of that. He's gonna he's gonna be an NHLer. I think yeah. he's a pretty good winger. And then the the third round pick was Joseph Wall, who could be their future. We player. don't know how that's going to be. But he's twenty. He's 20, 21 or twenty two years old. Right. So no, it's gonna, it still could take some time. And, and Korshkov, Korshkov is is. I mean, he he played in the NHL last year, got us a goal in his first NHL game. I I think he's an NHL player. I would say that draft was just a little above average. That's it. Yeah, the, the, the three you get Austin Matthews. If you take Austin Matthews right. away from that, rest. Well, if you take Austin Matthews, it's below average. Well, all I can say is I wish the Leafs would have listened to me at that draft because I would have probably take I would probably would have taken and Russ can attest to this. I was saying take Carter Hart in the second round. Yeah, you were right, right. Yeah, and then, and they also picked it's up another they did another third round pick too, and James Greenway. Yeah, that was yeah. a bust. James Greenway was a was a bad pick in the uh, in the that end. Was, that was a Mark Hunter special. He, he was a guy that had talent, physical talent. But he wasn't necessarily a good defenseman, and and Lou 
really liked him from when he saw him in the World Juniors and rolled a dice on it. That was a that was yeah. a Mark Hunter special. He saw physical tools and didn't didn't recognize that. He, that that was the that was the tendency of Mark Hunter. Russ he he took so many six foot seven defensemen yeah. who had things wrong with them because he saw the size. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. That's and that's you know so that's a, there's a couple. Of, um, come on, guys. I, so I'm I'm home today by myself. Sorry. So I usually have someone to watch the uh, dogs here, but today I'm on my own. Um, so that's that's the Atlantic Division, um, and are they better off than they were four years ago? Um, interesting, you know, like we basically. I don't, I, I don't know if the whole division is better off. I just did a um, a top three prospects for the entire Atlantic Division. Act. Yep. They are loaded with prospects. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yes. So coming up, they're 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 going to be better so off as the time I think the on. Atlantic will be good for years to come, and if even if they go through a slight downturn, but they have a lot of good prospects coming. I mean, Ottawa's got one of the best systems in hockey, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you can you know, Montreal probably Romanoff is their best prospect. Yep. Ottawa, um, you probably say that Stutz uh, that Stutzlin yeah. uh, with Le with the Leafs, it's Nick Robertson. Yep. Who is, right. or, or Rasmus Sandin, depending yeah. on your perspective. Sneaker for Boston. Sneaker for Boston. Tampa Bay. Uh, uh, Tampa Bay was foot. Cal foot. Yeah. Um, and Florida. Florida is. Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight and Anton Lundell. Like, that's probably a tie at this point. Detroit is uh, is likely a cider or. Um, no, it's. Um, who they drafted this year. Yeah, Rossi, and the save, and with the Sabers, um, it's probably Jack Quinn or hey, don't somebody wrote Boris Kachuk. I did put Kachuk in the top three for Tampa. I did, and Taylor, I like Taylor Radish as well. Yeah, Radish yeah. didn't make it. He's he's declined a little bit. There's still something there though. Yeah, yeah. Lucas um, Raymond. Lucas Raymond. Lucas Raymond. Sorry, yeah, I said Rossi. I had Raymond as number one. I know, I know, I know. Bad. It's an R. Right. It begins with an R. So I think this is a fun exercise to do, um, and then uh, you know, gives give guys gives you a long term feel, and it's amazing how things change in four years. You know, like it's just incredible how how much this. I mean, with Montreal and Ottawa being at the top of the division in sixteen seventeen, you know, and then Florida and Tampa, Florida being top of the division the year before that, things really change a lot. Um, in yeah, four but the years. Sabers are still at the bottom. Sabers <laughs> are still there. That's true. The Sabers are still in the same place. I, um, the, although the, you know, this is a good one. So in the chat room, they're saying. Caulfield is objectively better than Romanoff. He's not objectively better because he's going to go back to college right. because he still has to score a little better and he still has to get stronger. Romanoff's going to play this year, so you can't put Caulfield ahead of him right now. You can't. Yeah, yeah, Romanoff, yeah, you can't yeah. Romanoff played in the KHL, played in the World Junior, and is going to play in the NHL next year. Caulfield's going to be at what Wisconsin? Yeah, he's still at Wisconsin. Yeah, still Wisconsin. Okay. Hey, well, there you, you go. Know, I, I made the you know the chat room's asking. I made a fluff, Rossi Raymond. It's with an R. What are you gonna do? Wow, man, the chat room is hard on Russ. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, they are. You get you don't get any. You don't get. I mean, it's funny how the internet in general. I mean, we've got great people in the chat room, but you have to remember, guys, that we're each one brain. <laughs> you are 35 or 35 or 40 people in the chat room all the time. Yeah, brain, yeah. You know that that's much. I'd much rather have 40 brains than one brain any time of the week. I mean, just for memory's sake and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that's the way the internet works. So we all love that's the internet. Fine. Without the internet, we wouldn't be here. So let's like that's fine. It's more about um, thinking on the fly. Sometimes your brain just doesn't work. Quick question here, Mike. That's for you in the chat room. I think it's always a, it's one that it's one that always is being talked about. We can go over and through before we end today. If the Leafs fall next year, who's in more in trouble, Shanahan or 
or Dubis? Dubis. I think so too. Yeah. I agree with that. Shanahan's got a long-term contract. Dubis, I think has, not that that really matters, but I think that Shanahan, I think he's relatively safe. Shanahan's got to pay off an apartment in New York too. I wonder if, um, I really do. I really am curious about like the, uh, if Dubis is, if Dubis does fail, um, the future of signing younger GMs, like, you know, like the concept of, I'm not going to put him with Chaika yet, but there is a concept there. The NHL, the NHL was always against signing young GMs. Always, always. And now, and now they, these two experiments have gone on, right? One thing that Dubis can say is that he didn't cheat. Right. Right. Look, I would not say college Dubis is a failure. He's not. And I wouldn't say it's because of his age that maybe he's having mitigating results. That is the market. It's an impossible market to be a GM. And now the Chica one, if you want to tell me that that was a bad uh, experiment, I might agree with you. I'll get, I'll I'll say this, Kyle Dubas, if he doesn't succeed in Toronto and gets fired at the end of next year, I think we'll get another job in the NHL as a general manager. I I don't think so. I I think so. I do think so. I I think the issue Here's the I issue with think, Dubis. I don't think John Chaika will ever GM. No, I agree with you on John Chaika. But here's the issue with Dubis is um, he's not loved throughout the NHL. Um, uh, he definitely has a little bit of um, – the Leafs, the Leafs, you know, and this is this is because they've been so successful because they've been there. They've been the Leafs and because they're so looked upon. They have like a – you know, they, they definitely have an us-against-them type thing. Like there's – everybody is against Toronto, right? Because then it's unfortunate sometimes because – but the rest of the league sees them as arrogant because they think they're the center of the hockey universe. They see them as like, this is the place they are. And Dubas plays into that arrogance way too much. He's aloof. He's not really arrogant. He's arrogant, man. I have he heard people. Just, no, he, I don't think he's arrogant. I have had conversations with him. No, I'm not saying with you, but I'm saying when talking to other GMs about trades and things well, like that. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not privy to those conversations. Yeah, I can tell either. you that he is, he does not strike me as, as an arrogant yeah. Now, one on one, he's not. Yeah. He's, I agree with you. One on one, he's not arrogant. But I think, but ac- even even on these other conversations, I do think there's an aloofness to this guy's personality because he's looking for one certain thing, and it's hard to get him off that subject. And I bet you, when you're trying to make a trade with him, he's not that kind of guy that wants to talk about his whole roster. He called you for one or two reasons, right. and if you don't want those reasons, he's not going to sit there and jibber jabber with you. Right. I think that's what it's about. His focus is kind of different. I've seen it in person, like at the NHL Combine. I've seen him like by himself, just staring at certain things, and I can yeah. tell that he's not in his own world. But you know, in a way, he is. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he is in his own. And I think there's some things about him that are really great. And I think that, but the issue that, but what he doesn't have, or and the NHL's just got a weird, it, it, you know, the NHL's weird. And just let's face it, it, it's got its own, its own mo. It's got its own yeah. like. It's, it's 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 like every business it's got its own like culture right and yeah he doesn't fit in with the other gms at all to the point where you know someone said to me one time like you're oh yeah like you know Benson. i it's called not, him up and he said i'm he said i'm the gm of toronto maple leafs i don't have to do that kind of a trade that's the kind of that was said to somebody else okay. like basically like you know on a team that's it's a lesser team that is struggling to get i'm the i'm the i'm the toronto gm i'm the maple leafs gm i don't have to make that kind of trade that's not the kind of thing you should say okay like, that's it's not fair but he's still not you know paul, I mean? fenton. paul fenton's a different you know what I mean? Like that's a guy that was truly unliked. But he was unliked, sure. But he, you know, but Paul, Paul Fenton also was he's a very different kind of character as well. Um, mm-hmm. More, but more like you know, more a little bit more old school, able to handle some of those old school things. Like there's yeah, definitely some issues. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it all plays out. But I think he's, I think he's okay. I, I think he's, I don't think he's a terrible GM. I think he's made some good moves. Um, I don't agree with some of the moves he's made. I think I thought the, I thought the Babcock move was gutsy. I think that was, that was a good thing to me. It was a good move that had to be made. I mean, you knew that there wasn't going to be a long shelf life. Even Mike, who didn't like you and I saying after two or three years, if there was a problem, he'd be gone. We weren't that far off. Um, on year one, Mike didn't like that, but, but I, you know, we all knew that there's a shelf life with Mike Babcock. Yeah. Yeah. The Babcock shelf life is, is absolutely hundred percent real. So and that's why he's not getting a job now because he's still getting paid. Nobody is going to want Mike Babcock no. until he's not getting paid anymore. Cause he's not getting close to that money ever again. Right. Yeah. Apparently, apparently the, the, the Leafs were not as um, demanding of, like when Washington was interested in, in Babcock, the Leafs were not saying you've got to pay him six million to take okay. us off the hook, but they were saying that you know they need they wanted him to be paid, you know, comparable to other coaches so they could get as much off the hook as possible. Right, so sure. they four, they'd probably be okay with that. Right. Yeah. But nobody wants to pay four for Mike Babcock anymore. That's the right, reality because there's a lot of baggage there. Right. I think I think I think yeah there there is a lot He'll of that job but he's going to have to make a lot less money and he's going to have to do a mea culpa yeah is, I don't know if you'd want Don Waddell in the Toronto market Don Waddell is a super nice guy he would get eaten alive in the Toronto market really hard to say I mean he can he could probably handle it but at the same time and he definitely he could handle it but it, the problem is he could handle it talk wise after two years when certain things aren't going to happen they would destroy him. In Carolina, they don't really go back at him for anything that he's done or not done. Right. The articles in Carolina saying their goaltending wasn't good enough last year. That's why we didn't get to the Stanley Cup. But in Toronto, yeah. you had those. Well, here's the thing. Here's the difference. Like, you know, Waddell also has the um, the same thing that Burke has in the honesty gene. Like, Waddell yeah. will say exactly what he thinks or what's going yeah. on. And sometimes that doesn't work in a market like Toronto where you have to be right. a little bit more couth about it all. And, um, and Waddell... Burke's actually better at covering in covering those honesty quips yeah. than Waddell is. Well, um, I mean, and, and I'm, Waddell would come out and say, you know, say I, some I, things that I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not looking past Dubis because I th I think that the moves that he's made is is going to result in success for the Leafs. But I would think that if there is when if and when there is another general manager in Toronto, it's going to yeah. be somebody opposite of Dubis. It would probably be somebody with a lot of experience. I think so too. I think it'll be a, a heavy, heavy experienced guy, you know, like, um, and probably from another, like a winning organization type situation. I mean, yeah, uh, someone asked, would Lou Lamorello ever go back there? I don't think he would. No. no. Do we know the Tom Dundon date yet for uh, whether he's going to sign or not? Whether he's going to, you know, basically uh, sign on and take that last chunk of the hurricanes or not? I, am, I haven't heard. I haven't heard. I have anything. not heard that. I'm going to get on that though. Okay. Yeah. I haven't heard anything, but, if there's a way for him to escape and make more money someplace else, I'm sure he will. Uh, would would um would would you say Brian Lawton for the Leafs job no. eventually? No, I wouldn't say that no. either. No. No, I mean not, I think lot lots is a, not da not Dale Talon either. No. No, definitely no. not Dale Talon. No, there's there there. I mean it's it's hard to say really. You know who would go? I mean, is are you looking at like really old school? Or are you looking at middle no, old I think school? They would like, go middle school. I think they would go a little older than middle old school is like the Ron Hextall era of yeah, but not as old as not as old as talent. Yeah, probably not. Mark Hunter. I don't think so. No, Stan, no. Stan Bowman. Actually, Mark Hunter would never want to work for the Leafs again. And they probably wouldn't want to agree with that. I Stan think Bowman, I don't think would work there at all. 
um, in my opinion. Why is Dan Bowman going anywhere? He's not going anywhere. Well, I'm just saying if he ever did. He could. I mean, everybody goes somewhere sometime. Um, Poyle. Yeah. <laughs> um, David Poyle would be an amazing GM for them. But at the same time, you know, who knows what Poyle could do with, with money? I heard you know, like, Poyle will just dissolve into the Nashville organization at some point. Yeah, I think that he's, he's happy there. Dean Lombardi would be a disaster in Toronto, guys. Um, Dean Lombardi, the thing about him is, like, I'll tell you who would, you know, Fuda. Fuda's an interesting one. Like, yeah, um, Fuda would be good because he's from the area, too. And, and actually, I would like him as, yeah. I think the media would give him a good couple of years like they gave Dubas before they start hammering him. Yeah. Um, Lombardi's main, main goal as a GM, and this is not, this is not an argument, but just is really what I've heard from so many people. Everybody has their one line, you know, one line about Dean Lombardi is that he is, he will do whatever it takes to survive his job. Yeah, um, And that's fair. not a bad, that, that of course, loyal, every GM. But he was loyal to a fault. He was loyal to a fault in the contracts that yeah. he gave Richards and Carter and those guys for winning the cup ended up costing them. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he, he could do it then because when, once you've won a cup, you're not so nervous about your job. Right. Um, before before he won the cup in L.A., he would he'd look at the moves he made back then. They weren't anything like that. Mike Milbury. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. Peter Shirelli. There you go. Mike Milbury. No, um, Craig Button would be interesting. That would not be bad. No, I don't think Craig would want it. Now, I, it's, it's a hard job, guys. It's like a job. You have to really be a certain kind of personality to do it. No, Craig, 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 Craig would never – Craig would never want it because he could he couldn't criticize the Leaf general manager guy. He wouldn't be <laughs> right. I would like to see Craig Button though. I, I think he's one of the smartest guys in the league. I, I would like to see him as a GM. Yeah, but he's already been a GM. I don't think he's going to rush to be a GM ever again. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I would say Fuda would be a good pick. That, that's like your middle of the road guy, but who is like absolutely very very smart. Fuda, I could see I could see Hextall getting a second chance in a market like Toronto also. Hextall, Hextall in Toronto, man, could you imagine that? He doesn't, guy, he doesn't communicate at all with the media and doesn't even communicate with his like other his other people in his organization. No, actually, but see, hold on. He did communicate with the media all the time. He was in the locker room all the time when guys oh, yeah, were no. injured. He didn't tell us what was going on at all. Uh, that's not true. I think I think he's not as much as Fletcher, but did more than a lot of other GMs in the league. Now, the stuff with within the organization, clearly he's learned from that. All right, he, I'll give you this. He communicated on day-to-day things. Yes, he, he did. did not communicate. He didn't communicate on long-term goals and plans and That's things true. like that. That's true. Um, at all, like not even off the record communicate, which is like helpful when some guys off the record will communicate with you with their long-range stuff. And he didn't even communicate with the Flyers about his long-range plans. That's what inevitably killed him. I mean, well, he, I he had, you know, I mean, but he was a great. He was a great. He's great at drafting guys. Great assistant GM. I'm not sure he's in a, a head GM. I think, but in a really great assistant GM. That's where I. That's oh, where he I was great as an assistant GM. There's no doubt. I mean, he won a call yeah. that way, and yeah, and a Stanley Cup, a couple Stanley Cups. Yeah. yeah. All right, Tom. All the time we have today, guys. We're and again, you know, we're not saying that you know <laughs> anyone's getting fired in Toronto tomorrow. We're just saying that you know no. we're just going down the line. That's a, that's a hard job. I want to yeah. stress that. Yeah, Pierre McGuire. Dubas is fine right now. He's fine. And as long as his team does well again this year, um, or well, weller this year, they got to win a playoff round, I think. But if, if they don't win a playoff round, then we'll be talking about this again. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey, folks. Tomorrow we'll be back with the... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.